0: Ever been angry? That's a silly question. We get angry all the time. But so often that anger is misplaced and does a lot more harm than good. Here's Pastor David with more.
1: Let's get into it because we've got a lot to cover. Uh, here's verse 4-4. Be angry and do not sin. Meditate within your heart. On your bed and be still. La. Be angry and do not sin. So we're supposed to be angry, right? Well, let's talk about that. Is anger ever good? Is it ever good to be angry? Well, that's actually pretty easy. There are times when it's good to be angry, there are times when anger is definitely good. God gets angry, He gets angry at sin. We see Jesus, the Son of God get angry a couple times. One of the times we see Jesus get angry because of people who were so much more concerned about their traditions and what those traditions gave them in terms of their status in society and so on than they were about their brother. Listen to this story. This is Mark 3, 1 through 5. This is Jesus. And he entered the synagogue again. And a man was there who had a withered hand. So they watched him closely. Whether he would heal him on the Sabbath... So that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward. Then he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent. And when he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Jesus is angry with these men because there's this man with a withered hand that had the opportunity to be healed, and they did not care. They didn't care. Who's like that? Who would not hope for the healing of their brother? You've got two good hands, and you see a guy who's got one that's messed up. He has the opportunity to be healed, and you just keep silent. You just don't care. You just have a hard heart. You're more concerned about yourself and keeping your status and the way things should be and the traditions and whatever than seeing Jesus come and bring healing to somebody who needs it. Yeah, it's worth getting angry about. It's worth getting angry about. But notice that although they were hard hearted and although they did not love this man who had a withered hand, Jesus wasn't just angry, he was also grieved. He was grieved by the hardness of their hearts. Because Jesus didn't just love the man with the withered hand. He loved them too. And it grieved him because he cared about them that their hearts were so hard and sinful. It hurt him. He was sad that they were hard-hearted. The truth is that a hard heart is much worse for you than a withered hand. Even though it's not always as easy to see, we don't always understand or get when we have hard hearts, but it is much more damaging to you than a physical problem with your hand could ever be. And Jesus knew that and he was grieved for them. So Jesus healed this man. He did not, even though there was anger, he didn't throw a fit, he didn't scream at these hard hearted men, he didn't bring fire down from heaven on them. He was angry, but he did not sin because Jesus never sinned because Jesus is the Son of God and he's perfect. Another example is when Jesus cleared the money changers out of the temple. And Jesus actually did this twice. We're gonna read about the first time in John. If you wanna go to John 2, 13 through 17, it says this. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem and he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. When he had made a whip out of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overturned their tables. And he said to those who sold doves, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house has eaten me up. Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is the son of God. He is God. His temple in Jerusalem was to be a place of prayer, of comfort, of hope, of peace, of grace. But instead... They turned God's house into a way to profit off of those who were coming to be close to God, to cheat people. They turned it into a way to enrich themselves. And they were in the way of those who wanted to come and be close to the Lord. And Jesus shows zeal for his house. He runs those people out because he's protecting his people that are coming to him. He protects those who are drawing near to God from those who would use their own evil desires to profit off of those people. This still happens, by the way. This still totally, totally happens. There are wolves in sheep's clothing who would manipulate people for their own economic gain or even for their own pride or position. And God is angry about that. And we should be too. We should be angry that people are manipulated. Righteous anger is a thing. You know what it is? It's anger at the same things that God is angry about. We should be angry about what angers God. That's that's how we should be. We should be angry when people oppress God's people and try to profit from them rather than serve and love them. We should be angry at sin. We should be angry when people's hearts are hard towards brothers and sisters who Jesus wants to help and heal because they're too worried about themselves. We should be angry about that. We should be angry at sin, but let me tell you something. That anger starts at home. When I say that, some people go, yeah, with my husband. I'm angry at his sin. My kids, my mom, or my sister, my brother. No, with you. This starts with us. We should be angry at our own sin. We should be angry at our own sin. It's so easy to get angry at the sin of others. That's easy. Can you believe he did that? Can you believe he said that? Can you believe her attitude? (laughs) But it should start with us. It should start with us. Can you believe I said that? Can you believe I did that? Can you believe I treated that person that way? Or thought that or had that attitude or whatever it is? That's where it should start. We should be thinking, that's no way for a Christ follower, a person who loves God to act, I need to be angry at my own sin. We should have zeal for God, not zeal for ourselves. It's very easy to get angry at the sins that we see as harming us. And very easy to have lots of grace for the sins where we harm others. We tend to get angry when our glory is threatened. But we should only get angry when God's glory is rebelled against. If every time we got angry, we asked ourselves, is this about my glory or God's glory? I think that would cut out a lot of it right there. If we just ask, is this about my glory or is this about God's glory? We just might check ourselves a little more often. Remember, Jesus knew how to be angry and not sin because Jesus is God. We aren't as good at it from what I've seen, (laughs) at being angry and not sinning. So we must always walk in the Holy Spirit so that we don't sin in our anger. But here's the other thing. We should be grieved for those Who caused us to have righteous anger? Yes, we should have some righteous anger, but we should be grieved. We should be sad for them. We should hurt for them. Our anger over our own sin is usually followed with grace for ourselves. My experience, very little anger over my own sin, some grief, lots of grace. My experience with other people, very anger over their sin, very little grief, very little grace. There's something wrong with that. Something wrong with that picture our anger over other people's sins should be the same as we are with our anger over our own sin. We should love our neighbor as ourselves. What does Jesus say? Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. If we love God, we'll be angry and broken and grieved when we see his law and his name dishonored by the hard-hearted, even when the hard-hearted is us. Psalm 119, 136. Rivers of water run down from my eyes because men do not keep your law. Are we broken? If we love our neighbors as ourselves, we should be grieved for them at least as much as we're angry over their sin because we've all sinned. We have all sinned. It's only by God's grace, only by God's grace that we are not now children of his wrath, but rather children of promise. We should have grace and desire grace. Listen to how Jesus talks about his people. This is Matthew twenty-three thirty-seven. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. He wants to care for his people. He doesn't say, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who I'm about to send a thunderbolt on. They killed the prophets and and stoned the people sent to them. They were sinners. They were all wrapped up in all kinds of wrong things, but his response was one of grief and desire to love. That doesn't seem to always be our response to people and groups and cultures that are broken. He wants to care for them like a mother hen gathering chicks under her wings to protect them, to love them. He's grieved for his people and we need to be grieved as well for people. We need not be looking for opportunities to have righteous anger. Where can I have my, where can I point this righteous anger if you truly want opportunities for righteous anger, if that's you, you're like, but where can I be angry? I need to get angry. Start with yourself. You know that whole plank and spec thing? Work on that. Are there places in the world where we should have righteous anger? And do we get them right? Well, let's talk about a couple. What about abortion? Abortion is killing the most vulnerable people made in the image and likeness of God. It is murder. And it is murder of children. So should we be angry about abortion? Darn right. Of course we should be. I'm angry about it. (laughs) You better believe I'm angry about it. Because it dishonors God and those made in his image and likeness. So we should be angry, righteously angry about it. But how do we do that? Well, we got to be angry about all of it. Can't just pick this or that. We should be angry that our society has perverted sex and deceived people so that sex is no longer revered as a gift for a man and a woman in a marriage for life. It's not that. So, that. so it's not valued. That's why young men get young women pregnant because they've been deceived. We should be angry that we have been part of a society that deceives them. And then they feel like they don't have any options and that leads to Abortion. They can't be disconnected from one another. We should be grieved for the loss of life, and we should be grieved that we, not you personally or me personally, but we as a culture, as the world, have watched people be taught that their bodies are nothing but a tool to be used for pleasure. That's broken, and we should be grieved. Oh, America, America. We should want them to come to Christ, not be angry at everyone as an enemy. We should be grieved that we've taught young women to find value in their sexuality and we've taught young men to measure their masculinity by how many people they have sex with. What a joke. What a perversion. But we're not grieved. From what I can see, certainly as a society, we're not grieved. We shrug our shoulders and say, ah, it's just how it is. It's just how it's it's become instead of lovingly grieving for those who have been deceived and in righteous anger speaking truth. We get angry about abortion, and we should, but we should be angry and broken over our own sexual sin also. They can't be separated. We should be angry, we should be broken, and we should have grace. We should have grace. We should welcome those who have been lied to, who have been deceived, who have been led astray by these things, by what they've believed from the culture, by what they've caught from the culture, and we're all part of it. Me first. Listen, I also watch Seinfeld or whatever where they talk about sex. Every, every show, everything out there, sex is talked about as a cheap thing that you do for fun whenever you want with whoever you want. And I laugh because they make funny jokes. I'm not saying that doing that, like everyone has to throw their television away. So we need to be careful about what message that sends. On one side, we say we believe in the scripture. On the other side, we laugh at those who mock God in the way they view sex. And then we get mad about the fact that there's abortion, which is nothing more than dealing with the consequences in an evil way for the evil thing that they thought before. We need to be angry for all of it and broken and grieve for all of it and gracious with all of it. Who needs Jesus more than me, a sinner, and those who are outside who have had abortions, who have had their girlfriend have an abortion, who have taken their kid to go have an abortion, who feel broken about it? There's grace for that. Don't let them experience your anger, let them experience your grace and your love and your humility that we too are sinners and all of us need Christ the Savior. Now, that's an issue. There's a lot more. There's a lot more. And I'm going to hit us all here, starting with me, me first, and probably me most in this stuff. If you came here to have your ears tickled today, you walked in the wrong room. If you've been here long at Acts Church, you know that. If you're new, hey, welcome to church. Here we go. We need to check our hearts. We need to check our hearts. It is possible that we get angry and believe that it's righteous anger, but actually it's misplaced or out of order. There could be 10 things that you could have righteous anger about, but they might have different orders of importance. Some people uh spend more time, as an example, being more angry with me if I don't wear a mask or if I do wear a mask depending on their politics than the anger they have that our brothers and sisters in Christ in Honduras who we minister to don't have enough to eat and have to live in fear of gangs. Which one should you be spending more of your time having righteous anger about? There are people being oppressed in the world all over the world Christians in China, Christians in the Middle East, oppressed, beaten, killed, persecuted. And there are people here who suffer on different sides of different things. And instead of taking everything and going scripture first, our culture has made everything political. They made it all about politics. They made it all about parties. We join political tribes and we allow them to get us riled up about things that are less important than the things that truly sadden God. Maybe some of you are getting a little angry right now when I say that, oh well. People get more angry about the failures of the welfare system than about the failures of the justice system. That seems disordered to me. Maybe both are worth being angry about, that's another sermon. But certainly the failure by giving poor people too much money if that's your concern, is certainly not nearly as bad as doing injustice to those in the justice system. What are our priorities? What's the order? People get more angry about the killing of whales and puppies and trees than innocent children in the womb. Now look, whales are cute, okay? They're cute, right? Puppies, I mean, come on, who doesn't like puppies, right? Trees, sure. I don't want any of those things to be killed. But what is the value of those things in comparison to the life of an unborn child made in the image and likeness of God? They don't even compare. They can't even put on the scale together. It's disordered. It's okay, probably, to be upset when people kill puppies or whatever. Like, you should be upset about that. But get it in order. If you're spending all your day on Facebook, I can't believe what they're doing to puppies, and haven't thought about unborn children for a long time, you're disordered and your righteous anger. People get more angry that corporations have too much power than that children are being taught in school that God's design for sexuality is evil and bigoted and that perversion should be celebrated, which harms people and destroys them. Both might be bad. One is worse. Where is our anger being pointed and is it ordered? Are you more angry that lots of people do not value your right to own a gun? Or are you more angry that lots of people don't value the lives of the most vulnerable and marginalized people, the impoverished, the orphan, the widow, and the homeless? Which is more upsetting to you? Are you spending more time protecting your Second Amendment right or protecting other people's rights to life and freedom from oppression, poverty, difficulty, and abuse? What's it look like? Do the things that make God angry make you the most angry? Or are there other things that make you the most angry? Is your anger in the wrong direction? Listen, this has become very clear to me, and you probably have seen it too. Political tribalism is destroying humanity at large. And it is a cancer on the church. It's a cancer on the church because it causes righteous anger, some of which is righteous anger, don't get me wrong, to be prioritized wrongly. Remember, I didn't say you can't be angry about all the things I just mentioned. You can. It's another sermon, like I said. But just because you can be angry about all of them doesn't mean they all have the same value or they would all make God feel the same way. And we're supposed to have righteous anger when it's what God would be angry about. I'm simply highlighting that sometimes we're more angry about things that are less important than other things that we don't seem very angry about at all. And from what I've seen in myself and in some others is that we tend to get our priority list for anger from political tribes rather than from scripture. Politicizing anger can cause us to believe that all of our anger is righteous, but all of our anger is not. There is no political party, there's no tribe, there's no group, there's no PTA, there's no anything in this world that's part of this world that fully honors God. There is no tribe that we belong to except the kingdom of God, Christ followers. That's it, the kingdom of God. We have no king but Jesus, one king, Jesus Christ, the king of kings. We do not put our trust in princes. They have no help for us. Our trust is in the prince of peace, the king of kings, Jesus Christ. So please, if this is you, because it certainly has been me, Do not let tribalism, whatever it is, be the thing that helps you prioritize where your righteous anger should go. Make sure that scripture is what's doing that. Make sure that scripture is what's doing that. We as Christ followers, we stand together. We stand united. We lead with love, not with anger. I'm not saying there's no place for anger, but I'm saying we lead with love. Be angry at sin and wickedness, just as God is angry at those things. Just don't be angry because somebody else tells you you should, or some team tells you you should. Scripture first. Christ first.
0: I hope you'll be right here next time as Pastor David continues this look at Psalm 4, verse 4. Now, obviously, some pretty controversial things were brought up today, and if you have questions or comments about this episode, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email using info at axchurchnw.org, or give us a call at 360-885-9000. Thanks for being with us, and we'll look for you next time here on Contemplate.